Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tiara Mitchell. And, and you are listening to, to the Holistic Hope Podcast. We invite you to join us and our village in conversations rooted in wellness and health so that we may grow a community of generational healing through love. In this episode, episode 12 of the Holistic Hope Podcast, we speak with Lorraine of Inspired to Health. Lorraine is an intuitive healer who also helps to clear personal and professional spaces in order to help her clients maintain their health by ensuring the spaces they spend the most time in are filled with positive energy. In our conversation with Lorraine, she shares with us how she saved her uterus by connecting with her sacral and root chakras in order to be more kind and loving to herself. Be sure to join in the conversations with us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right. Hello, everybody. And please welcome Lorraine. Lorraine, please tell us about yourself. Oh, there's one thing. Mm -hmm. My little wingman is Louie. He's a little multi-poo. And sometimes he barks. But every time he barks, I think that uh, a woman has maybe created a connection to her female reproductive health. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I'm Lorraine Giordano. (laughs) I'm an intuitive energy healer. My healing practice is called Inspired to Health. I also clear people's homes and offices, businesses, the energy, the physical space, mm-hmm. because our inner worlds, um, our internal worlds are impacted by our external worlds, and our external worlds are impacted by our internal worlds. So, so happy to be here, ladies. Thanks for being here. So, can you tell us a bit about how you started your healing journey? So. I had, I come from the financial industry. I was into that idea of like working really hard, making, breaking through the glass ceiling, making more money, more promotions. I'm in my early fifties. So along that process for about 17 years, I had a lot of health issues. Went from doctor to doctor. And then I kind of became a closeted alternative energy person um, during my trying to figure out what was going on with me. I guess there was an important pivot point in 2008 where my doctor, I had atypical bleeding. Um, and so basically what helped me reclaim my health and my, my uh, life was connecting to my sacral chakra, my womb space, mm-hmm. uh, and getting to the root of what was going on with me. So I had irregular bleeding. Historically, I had very painful periods, cramps diagnosed with endometriosis, with terrible adhesions. My doctor said he never saw anything like that before. And adhesions are scar tissue, right? So my lower pelvic bowl area was in a sense becoming mummified, um, you know, constricted tight. Mm-hmm. So my doctor, because of the irregular bleeding, I had to have a DNC, told me I had atypical cells and I needed to have a hysterectomy. And so that devastated me. And then in the belly of the New York City subway, I was really upset. It was a Friday after work moment. And I heard a voice that said, Lorraine, it was a silent whisper. It said, Lorraine, you don't need to lose your uterus. Just be kinder to yourself. Be nicer to yourself. Love yourself more. And in that moment, Operation Save Uterus was born. And my whole body electrified. Like I had a, like every cell in my body, like, was such a dramatic visceral like perk up that I, I in that moment was like I have a chance and so I worked with different alternative healers 
And like they miraculously showed up, people referred them to me. People would say, did you go see that person? And if I said no, they would be like, you have to go. Just like beautiful synchronicities saved my uterus from a hysterectomy. And I reclaimed my health and I realized, wow, this is really what I want to do. I was so inspired by the journey that I decided that I wanted to help people connect to their healing. So my womb, I was really angry at my body because as women with our cycles, I was extremely painful, popped a lot of pills to like numb the pain. And I was very disconnected from what was going on down there. I like to refer to it as down there because the stuff that we hide or we swallow or we don't look at, you know, doesn't necessarily get caught up in the, the cabinets. You tend to kind of bury it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I had a lot of clearing to do down there. When you say down there too, are you also talking about your sacral chakra? I'm talking about my sacral and my root, yeah. And your root. For those who may not be familiar with chakras, do you think you could give like a quick one? Rundown. <laughs> yeah, we are made up of energy. That's scientifically proven, right? Mm -hmm. So we get kind of caught up in the physicality of ourselves. Um, but as far as our chakras, they're energy centers. Ayurvedic medicine for 7,000 years um, has been working with our energy centers. So we have tons of them all over our body, but the main ones kind of run up and down our spinal cord. Think of your crown. Your crown is, I understand. We're pulling in divine inspiration. Think of your third eye as I see having a clear vision of what our dreams are. Think of your throat. I speak, speaking our truth, being honest with ourselves. Think of our heart. And each chakra has a color. So let's say this is white. Sometimes people say it's uh, violet. Your third eye is um, purple violet. Your throat is blue because of the energy frequency associated with that center. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say your heart. I give love, I receive love, green. Your solar plexus, your, fi your fire element, which is yellow, I do. We're very good at doing at this time in history. Our sacral, which is our womb centers for the ladies, whether you have a uterus or not, but is um, I feel. And then at our root, uh, and the I feel is orange. And then uh, at our root, I am, it's uh, red. Mm -hmm. So... We can have an overactive chakra or an underactive chakra. And the goal is alignment, right? For, for us to stand in our being in order to help us move forward in love, right? We're supposed to be forward moving in love. I love so, that. I love how you just described all those three combinations because as a chiropractor and you said the spinal cord, I'm like, well, duh, this totally <laughs> makes sense. Because <laughs> when you're talking about from, from the head all the way down, like life comes from mm -hmm. what goes up and down. Yes. And then when you mentioned the frequency, which also makes sense because frequency is light, frequency is energy, goes in and out of cells, in and out of um, things in general. That also interacts with what you were mentioning about, about the environment and all those different things of I do, like all these, it's just, that just kind of put it all together for chiropractic for me. <laughs> for the alignment. Like, it makes so much sense. And like and when everyone's talking about alignment, Oh, obviously, I know alignment for structural, but if you I'll talk about energy, that that is like a whole encompassing holistic aspect that 
literally what this is all about. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it syncs up. It syncs up. <laughs> right. I was going to say, isn't it interesting how the physical and the energetical all align like that? Like it comes together. And like Lorraine was saying, those are your main chakra points, like, you know, the main going down. But then you have these little paths and other minor ones that circulate into each other and feed into the main ones. So mm, I didn't know that, but yeah. yeah. that makes sense for sure. It's the spinal mm. nerves that comes out in, ah, yeah, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> it's in our hands. Our energetical anatomy. Yeah. 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 Hmm. There's something's in our hands as well that you mentioned. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, we use our hands to kind of make things manifest our dreams, like to, to help us create. Right. So our hands have chakras too. Hmm. Supposedly, um, Indian cult, like Asian cultures from a long time ago, they eat with their fingers because of, of the spiritual sacredness of activating hmm. their hands and, and receiving, yeah, their hands and receiving food as a sacred process. Huh. Interesting. So my, my fiance is from Fiji. So he's like Indo-Fijian. So he's really good at eating with his hands. I'm like, how do you, how do you do this? This is the hardest thing ever, but oh my gosh, it makes sense. Huh? Okay. It's all connecting together for me. So I'm, I'm glad I'm, I have, we have you on <laughs> our episode. And so Lorraine, um, you said you focused a lot on down there. So your sacral, your root, can you go into why those, those were your focus for this being kinder to yourself, you know, you don't need to remove your uterus. You can start by being kinder to yourself. Why, why did you choose to focus on your sacral and your root? Yeah, that's a good question. You know why? Because I realized just how much I didn't know. So when the doctor told me I had atypical uterine hyperplasia, mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I never heard of it. And then I was like, oh, so you're telling me I'm going to have to remove my uterus? Like, well, wait a second. Do I even know what's going on there? Like the whole setup. Like I kind of remember learning it. You know, you had your sex education class. I grew up, I didn't really take responsibility uh, for my body. I started having sex when I was 17 and I didn't go to the gynecologist until I was 25. Um, which, you know, that's a red flag. Um, so I really had to be with myself, not in a judgmental way, because I think it's, I, you know, with the certain judgments, I had to just kind of be my own private investigator. Like, all right, so you're taking out my uterus. Well, what, what does that really mean? Like, what are the risks? What is it connected to? How does everything work? And then, you know, I don't think we're taught as women about hormones enough, especially when we're younger right? Mm -hmm. They have such a huge impact on every, like everything, right? And, um, and I thought it was something that I had to worry about when I was like in menopause. And I was like, well, wait a second. No, like, you know, I'm having too much estrogen in my system. And, um, you know, what can I do? So it, it kind of just, I, I, I realized if I'm going to lose this, is it worth me really trying to like understand how I got to this point. And so I had to sit within my womb in meditation. 
I had to educate myself. And for where we are right now, ladies, like it's great because there's so much more information. But in 2008, it wasn't a popular topic. It really, it wasn't as like positive and fun and, you know, available. So it was very serious, very technical. So I had to be like, okay, I'm going to read this technical stuff to, to, to understand what's going on with me. And, and that made the world of a difference. Um, yeah, because what you mentioned, that phrase of diagnoses, it's, it's a long, confusing thing. It's like, what is that, right? When you mentioned, like, you're questioning too, what is it? So you mentioned this atypical... Um, uterine hyperplasia. Yeah, so breaking up that word, atypical means not normal, which is, okay, you understand that part. And then, um, sorry, I'm going to break down that word again. Atypical uterine hyperplasia. Yeah. So uterine, so the uterus, obviously. And so hyper, like meaning that you mentioned, you know, things can either be underactive or overactive. Hyperplasia meaning, you know, overactive, doing more than it's, you know, normally doing. Plasia meaning part is like the cells. So literally you're just stating what the doctor said, this is what I see. And then, you know, what is what does that mean? Right? What do you do with this? So it's good that you question that because a lot of people just kind of take it and kind of have it as a badge of honor versus doing something about it and questioning what is good for me, what is good for my family. Oh, there's Louie. And the thing is, is that uh, atypical, like the guys like you have uh, precancerous cells, right? So cancer, but, um, and then hyperplasia, I thought of it as like I had a fat uterus because mm. the lining of my uterus was thick, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I'm walking around with a fat uterus. Maybe that's causing mm. me to 10 extra pounds, maybe. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> but um, it just blew my mind how much I didn't know about my own body. And, and I, I approached it from like a private investigator. Like I was going to sit there. I was going to research. I was going to connect. Like, so I would put my hands on my womb space and be like, what's going on? I, I started talking to my body. You know, I kind of was like, if not now, when are you going to do this, Lorraine? Like, you're in a serious situation. And the doctor does not know my whole history. He knows like a few minutes, you know what I mean? Like certain mm-hmm. things written down. I'm yeah. the only one that knows like when I was little, I would, cr- I would want to cry and I'd stop myself and I'd swallow literally do a swallow in order to stop and like the womb with I feel like you know it hardens up all those tears over time get a little heavy right and then I related that to the the mummification going on my pelvic bowl that constriction in what ways did I restrict myself from being myself and from, from following my dreams versus the out there noise of family society all that kind of stuff and it put me like, again, with the judgment, it's so easy to judge right, wrong, good, bad. I was just kind of like information. Let's just like gather information for my, whatever I need to decide upon. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned the mummification aspect, it seems like, because you mentioned, you know, it's not good or bad. Your body's literally trying to protect you because from something that you're feeling. That's what yeah. it sounds like to me, to yeah. where, you know, it's okay so let me just protect you, continue protecting you until, you know, 
whenever you are, you know, now able or previously be able to connect to actually heal and recover that. So, yes. and so when, so now, you know, you figured all this out, how did you, well, you're investigating. That's, that's the part I really like how you said private investigator, but how did you start putting the pieces together that, you know, okay, when I was a little girl, I would swallow my emotions, which went down into my, I feel chakra, which like Kate is saying, now your uterus is trying to protect you from those emotions until you're ready to release it. How did you figure all of that out? Like, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. I guess in my early days of Operation Safe Uterus, I was so like my, and this goes to some of the analytical work that I did. We have these rules. If this, then that. If this happens, then that should happen. Like it's all like a weird kind of programming, right? Um, that I built up. <laughs> and so I got so upset and devastated that my program shortwired and there was an opening, right? So I was willing to just kind of um, be open to exploring. And in that process, I would pray. So praying, uh, I would journal a lot. Um, cause I think all our answers are inside and it doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to be that complicated. I think healing, working with different people in their healing journey, we make it complicated, but healing, I don't think is that complicated. It's just being open to it, uh, calling it in, asking for help and the help typically shows up. So again, like we're, I'll be walking down the street, see someone I hadn't seen in a while and they're like, oh, I just went to this healer and you should really check her out, like randomly, um, just weird stuff like that. And, you know, cancer to me, I had to personalize everything. So cancer to me was, okay, so it's when your cells go rogue and they attack other cells. So in what ways in my life have I turned on myself and attacked myself or not supported myself? Mm. And so just even phrasing those questions. Um, and the big one was like, in this decision, what would I, what would I do if I had a baby? So I've, if I had given birth to a baby, what decision would I make in this moment? Why am I not doing that to myself right now? If I'm willing to do that for a child, why wouldn't I treat myself that way? And so those were my grounding. Like I, I kept it kind of to those grounding things and then everything else kind of felt into place. Um, so in what ways can I support myself in this choice? In what ways didn't I previously? And how can I forgive myself for that and let it go? And in what ways can I just open up to life flowing through me? Because with mm -hmm. energy healing, it's really allowing a higher life force energy to kind of flow through you to help support you. And so that's kind of that's kind of what really helped me on my path. And that's what helps me on my path today. Awesome. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so that's beautiful. That was beautiful. So now I'm assuming you saved your uterus. I did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then after you did that, how did that lead to you becoming a healer yourself 
Uh, one of the healers I worked with like over the course of a year. So the one thing I'll say is after I saved my uterus. So for six months, I worked on like doing detoxing and this exploration. And then I had another DNC and then my uterus was good. Like my doctor was like, wow, what'd you do? How'd you do this? But what in that moment, I realized there was a lot more healing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I just didn't say like, okay, I'm all set and move on. I, I kind of went deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, but during that deeper process, one of the healers I worked with, she, um, Arlene Reardon, she's a massage, she's a massage school where she does quantum touch. So again, this is how life kind of supports us, right? It supports us through through ourselves and through the people that we work with, right? That we that we know. Um, but she contacted me and was like, oh, I'm teaching a, a massage class and we're doing quantum touch. And so do you want to go? I think you'd really enjoy it. So it was uh, a one-day class and I learned quantum touch. And in that process, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I knew like that energetic, like ding, 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 ding. Cause you feel that like uplift if you're paying attention. Um, mm-hmm. What feels like, for, what feels great for you. So mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to explore that. And then I just kind of got more involved with different classes and, and yeah. I love how you touched on the part where despite, you know, you did the DNC and then the, the doctor says, you're, you know, you're good, you're normal. And you're like, mm, I think there needs to be more. Because a lot of times when people have a diagnosis and then, you know, when they're in that recovery mode and the doctor says, you know, I don't see anything else on here. It looks normal, you know, but then in reality, looking back at the way the doctor analyzes, is that doctor's normal what you want normal to be? You know, and you kind of thinking, mm, I think I need more because you, you know that, you know, yeah, it may seem like on a, on a test for X, Y, and Z, but that doesn't mean that's it. You know, there's way more than just paper objective, the subjective yeah, aspect yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're not taught to trust ourselves. Yeah. Right? So in that process, I was kind of trusting myself more and I was trusting the universe more. Mm-hmm. And the more I trusted myself, I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is pretty cool. Like, I don't have to do work so hard. Like, I can just allow to receive. Um, and I think as women, historically, you know, we're taught to do, 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 whether it's patriarchy or whatever, but like what's out there rather than tune into what's inside us. Mm-hmm. Like, it's inside and then that gets reflected on the outside. So that was a great opening and a, of awareness for me. And you said this a little earlier too, that you felt everything we already needed to heal ourselves was within us. And just now you mentioning like, when you pay attention to the feelings, you can feel that like energetic zing, even your experience on the subway. Like once you make the decision of, you know, this is what I want for me. I don't want to tolerate this anymore. I don't want to tolerate not being well. I don't want to tolerate the, the negativity, the toxicity, whatever it is. There is this energetic connection, like a okay, we got to switch. So, but sometimes it takes. Well, most of the time, it takes something drastic, like you hearing your uterus is going to be removed for this to happen. So, my question is, 
with all your experience now, what are ways people can start to tune into those feelings of mm, something, something needs to change here. I'm not quite sure what it is, but something needs to change. What are ways they can become in tuned with, you know, that knowing of themselves? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, now I think it's a little different for everybody, right? Because what inspires um, you might not inspire me or whoever, right? And that's why I guess I, I named my business Inspired to Health, right? So what really, because, you know, you, you're the only one that knows those different feelings with silent whispers, those moments when you fight against yourself and you force yourself to do stuff or to say stuff or whatever, whatever it is. So in spirit, right, in the spirit of you being whole, which is health, right? Um, the, the word health derives from the old word hail, which means wholeness, right? So even just being open to asking yourself in what ways am I not being whole um, and maybe journal that. I think, you know, we are tactile beings. So again, going back to the hands, like I've been at, I've hosted workshops where um, women have been really violently abused in different ways. And they have a hard time touching, even putting their hands on their, their below their belly button. Um, so, you know, are you, you know, in what ways can you touch yourself in a healing way? In what ways can you direct more love to yourself in a healing way with that intention? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're, if you're going to try to access the womb space at the root, it's a creative life force energy. So I would say, get out of your head. You don't have babies in your head, right? You just don't. Um, we think that we can, and as women, we're great thinkers, right? So we can ruminate, marinate, dissect stuff, spin, spin, spin on it. But the energy up at your crown area is fast. Direct mm-hmm. energy out of your head. Even if you put your hands on your heart and take a few deep breaths, like deep breaths, it'll help pull energy down then I would recommend that you at least try to, you know, hold your room space and start a conversation. Like our fingertips are unique, right? So how do you hold your own relationship with your womb space? It's like you're, it's, it's, you'll get different information from your head versus if you ask questions down here. And the energy at your womb pelvic area is a heavier not heavier in a bad way, but it's just, it, it spins less, right? So we are spinning on a planet in the galaxy, right? It spins, spins, spin. If you're in your head and you're spinning, spinning, it's very easy to get thrown off balance. But most women, I think, based on my experience working with them and even myself, is that they're grounding their energy in their I do, right? Mm. What am I doing, Right. So it's kind of like you're taking an elevator and you're grounding at the base floor at your belly when you have that creative, um, passionate, joyful, emotional energy. And at your root is your sense of safety, security that you might not be taking full advantage of, right? If, you, if everything's based on what you're doing. 
And um, you can't do health. You can be healthy, but you can't do health. You can't, you can't do happiness. You can be happy, but you can't do it. And so there's this, you know, based on where we are, um, prior even to Corona, it's based on doing, doing, doing. And so it's, it's the balancing of the divine masculine, divine feminine to being more. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that is gets at your standing in your being more rather than your doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like we're both like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. <laughs> She's talking. Because <laughs> you were mentioning uh, the I do aspect. I know we had a, a different conversation in regards to the C section aspect too. But well, if you want to touch on that just a little bit. Um, but you were mentioning in our conversation that a lot of women, you know, in hospitals, um, you know, majority wise, we, as, you know, women know that babies come from like the vaginal canal, it goes through there, but then for emergencies, the C-section is where they, they come out because of certain, you know, um, emergencies, emergencies. And so um, when you mentioned in our conversation <clears throat> is that when, can, can you, do you remember that conversation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go over that? That was really just like a mind-blowing aspect for you in regards to that. Yeah, so um, here's the thing. We're women, we're, you know, um, we are designed to give birth through the vaginal canal, right? Um, now, obviously, there are issues with that, but there's been such a huge increase in the number of babies arriving to the world through C-sections, through the belly, through the I do. Right. So you think of the belly, that's your I do energy center versus taking the journey further down and coming up through the mom's I am. Right. And so the difference in that has an impact to the baby's health um, because there is a difference in the microbiome and all like the juju, you know, bacteria microbiome in the belly versus taking that journey through the vaginal canal. And so it has an impact on the baby's health. And so I guess for me, Operation Save Uterus, yeah, it was about me saving my uterus. But the further I got into this, I'm like, why are so many women spending thousands and thousands of dollars to get injected, right, with fertility treatments, right? And then why are we like having so many babies? In the United States, there was a report and last fall, last summer, about the the preponderance of C-sections now, which was kind of shocking. But why are we like not trusting? It goes back to the trust, right? And awareness. That's why it's so great that you guys are having these conversations. But it goes to like, you know, are women questioning, like, or, or researching, or um, getting the support that they need? Um, with the work that you're doing, Kate, right? Like, how can um, women activate a little bit more trust in the power of their bodies in order to have, you know, babies? I'm not saying all C-sections are bad or all fertility treatments are bad, but there seems to be a lack of trust in this area that I think has significant ripple effects down the road. And, you know, me, I am a very spiritual person. Um, so that's why I'm eating up your conversation right now, but, um, my stories, I've told it a couple of times, but for my birth with my oldest, she almost was an emergency C-section. 
and I hadn't slept for like two, for some reason I couldn't sleep two days before I went into labor. Like I was up 48 straight hours and she was almost in emergency C-section because she was sunny side up. So when babies come, you know, they're supposed to be head down or face down so that their head can fit through. She was face up. And that was all what was going to cause the C-section. And I just remember, and this goes to the trusting part, because they were like, oh, we're, they were telling my husband, oh, we're about to get her over to the OR. You know, we're going to prep for the C-section. Baby's losing oxygen. I heard C-section and something in me clicked. And I was like, my baby has to come out of my vagina. Like, I remember thinking that my baby has to come out of my vagina. They are not cutting my baby out of me. And there was something that came over me and I pushed and like, I had been pushing for maybe three hours at this point. And um, I pushed with all I had and she came out and you know, she's perfectly healthy and everything. And so, and, and I think it goes back to that intuition, you know, like, it's not that I didn't trust the doctors, you know, it's not that there is a part of me that's afraid of C-sections because if you got to cut me open or put a needle in me, it freaks me out. But there was lit you want to talk about that energetic click it was like a no we are pushing this baby out I don't care what they say and if I even think of my daughter now and like how you say it relates to health things I also feel my daughter's very in tune with her emotions she's very wise for her age it's Kate knows kind of creepy Uh, (laughs) but I wonder now like hmm what would have happened if I would have taking that away from her you know if I would have kind of given in to like yeah let's just cut this baby out I can't do this I wouldn't have believed that instinct of no we have to push her out and it wasn't a I have to push her out it was a we have to push her out like at that time I felt I had support from my divine source to be like this baby is coming into this world through your canal relating to what you're saying though that's part of the reason why I when I was 16, thinking about, you know, am I going to be a mom? Am I going to be like a working woman? You know, what in that aspect, that's why I was so afraid to have babies because of the aspect of cutting something out of you as if you're like an alien, you know, in the movies where it's, it's horrifying, you know? And in my head, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's sort of thing. That's the reason why I said no to myself so young, because I, I knew that that's not what I wanted. And I, in the back of my head, I didn't really know that, you know, vagina is the, the real normal way to come out. Yet in my head, when I was little, thinking, oh, everyone has sections, you know, that's the next thing if you don't want to have, if you don't want to have a vaginal birth. So when I was pregnant with my oldest, um, I did, I was doing a lot of research. I watched the business of being born. And that was kind of what made me like skeptical of, because at the time I found out there was a trend um, where moms were scheduling C-sections so they could have tummy tucks at the same time. Yeah. And as alluring as it sounded, because like you said, nobody really likes the idea of their body being bent out of shape after having a baby. It felt weird to me. And then Lorraine, when you say we don't take the time to research. We don't really give ourselves permission to trust that feeling because like I said, I was ready to ask my doctor. Luckily I had a doctor who wouldn't have let me do that. She wouldn't have have let me (laughs) have a C-section for cosmetic purposes. (laughs) But that's where I was because I was thinking more of like 
egotistically, you know, like I still want to look good after I have my baby. And to think of how that affects our I am, you know, and even how. So I guess what I'm curious to know is when women have C-sections, not only how it affects the baby coming into this world, but does that somehow affect their, because how I understand chakras is with the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus, those are like, I think of them as like our earthly realm. Yeah, yeah. And it has to come through the, the heart chakra, which is of love. You know, all the love happens. And then when we speak it, it's putting it into being kind of thing. And then once you're able to speak it with conviction, that's when you access your higher planes, your third eye and crown. And so I'm very curious to know how is there a way that when we cut off, you know, at the solar plexus, um, I'm sorry, the, the sacral chakra, could that affect us being able to really connect with our root to be able to bring through that grounding to the higher planes? Um, at a high, I, I'm, I don't like to generalize, but I'm going to say, yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I, I think it manifests itself in different ways, not, mm-hmm. not just having babies as well. Right. So at the safe, uh, at the solar plexus, we also have like our liver, which holds anger. Right. And then, um, our adrenals, they, there's different organs that tie into this. Um, our fire element at the belly. Um, and so your safe role is the water element going with the flow, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're kind of caught up at the fire element, um, which is a little bit more about self-confidence, self-worth, control, which is also tied to the safe role, you know, we, we can, um, we're doing too much or we're, uh, without trying to go with the flow of life, right? There's a little bit of like, you can have not enough water to give you that flu- fluidity, right? Of, of trusting life and going with the flow of life. We tend to want to like, want to know what happens. We want to do, the, you know, we want to figure it out before it happens, right? Rather than that flow. Um, did that make sense? I guess... You know, it's not just babies, right? It, it It's like whether you want a new relationship, a new job, uh, or changing something, you know, we get kind of caught up in what we have to do about it rather than the creative flow, the creative force of like letting it evolve um, in the way it's supposed to evolve without too much control. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because structurally thinking as a chiropractor, when I look at people's spine, I see when they literally are face down, there's certain parts of their bodies where they don't move, like literally don't move when they breathe. And so you want the whole spine to kind of move and kind of like fluidity wise to kind of go up and down through the breath. Right. I was going to say, yeah, we can talk about breaths right now. I think this is a kind of touched on it when you said, you know, when we breathe down and it comes into our heart, but then Kate brought up a really good point of how we tend to only breathe in our chest. And yes. You know, we don't really let the breath go all the way and fill our belly and then come out all the way. And I feel, especially for the audience who would listen to this podcast, just understanding 
the power in healing with just your breath, how healing that can be. So could you talk? Yes. And for anyone, <laughs> anyone listening. So when we arrive to the planet, whatever way we arrive, we arrive with a breath and we leave with our breath. And then for some reason we forget about it in the middle, but I guess for me, and if it's one thing that you wanted, like just to connect to yourself, just breathe, deep breathe, right? Because breathing is the basic foundation of receiving life force energy, right? And then letting go. So some, you know, with my clients, I'll ask them, which feels better, breathing in or exhaling, inhaling or exhaling. And then it kind of gives you a clue about receiving and then letting go, right? But really deep breaths. So we tend to do shallow breaths. And right now we're in a stressful period, like with the coronavirus, um, which actually means crown. And so for women, how can we claim our own crown? One way is really connecting to your breath. And in French, breath and spirit are the same, mm-hmm. right? So to say that, you know, I have so many <laughs> women with kids and jobs, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, I don't have time. I'm like, well, if you can at least do one minute of deep breathing and that's all you have on your plate that you can do, that's an amazing, powerful gift that you're giving yourself because it's an energetic pump. It activates that energetic pump within you, that sacred energetic pump of receiving and letting go of connection, of life force energy, really. And it just feels good. And so to go deep, right? It it is, most people take shallow breaths, but going deep in your lower diaphragm and pulling it up and letting it go, you know, does, does a, does beautiful, beautiful, it allows for shifts, right? It allows for not the restriction, not the clamping down. It allows for the energy of the breath to come in and help shift things out because our bodies are so especially as women, like we're incredible. We're like, we're like powerful beings. And so using your breath is, is, is by far like that is the greatest gift. And I didn't say it when I, but that is one of the more important gifts I got by just sitting, breathing, and then kind of noticing the difference in how that made me feel. So um, and it, it's a weird it's a weird resistance for people to say, well, I don't have time to breathe. Well, I mean, <laughs> at least start off with one minute. That's it. Like start off one minute and then you build on that. Yeah. I, I usually recommend um, people breathing from their belly. And a lot of times they, they're not sure, like, am I doing it? Is, is it happening? So I, what I usually do is recommend them having uh, their hand on their chest and their belly, which is fine. So, so surprising sometimes when, uh, when you ask someone to breathe in and not sure how to breathe, I'm like, really? <laughs> but you're like, oh, this is how you do it. Because sometimes you forget, you know, we get so busy, you get shallow breathing. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is how you're supposed to do it. And you said yeah. you have to put your hands on their, their heart, their chest and their belly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So just to make sure that, you know, your chest. <laughs> Louis, there is one thing that I do that uh, helps is you put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly and you breathe in through your heart and you breathe in through your sacral. So like mm-hmm. you're inhaling through your heart and exhaling through your sacral mm-hmm. and then push okay. it up. It, it helps people 
kind of be able to, because their hands are there. You breathe into your heart and you exhale through your, your lower hand. It's a helpful way to kind of activate the energy above and below. Keep the awareness. Yeah. 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 Um, and then you switch the, you know, then you inhale through your sacral and exhale through your heart. Um, and then you alternate. It, it, it creates a nice flow of energy. Hmm. Um, and people can relate to it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it's also something I've learned about it is it's a way it's an intentional practice of living, you know, like you're intentionally deciding to bring in breath to be this life source, like Lorraine said, to flow through you. Even if you don't, even if you're not a spiritual, energetical, woo-woo type of person, even in the basics, like Kate talking about being a chiropractor, that's just basic biology. We need oxygen for our organs. You know, we need oxygen to our, or when we breathe, we pull oxygen through everywhere with our blood and the intentional practice of, I'm not just going to just all day, you know, (laughs) I'm going to take a moment to give my body the love it needs right now, simply through my breath. And I feel like that is a big shift. Even I've experienced when life is feeling like kind of hard or I'm feeling not well and I can't quite put my finger on it but that intention of I'm gonna breathe I'm gonna remind myself that life flows through me life flows from me life is within me I'm okay and then that's when I can usually okay what are these emotions I'm sitting with what is it that's really getting me down right now because now I've used the intention to bring awareness back to myself yeah, and that abundance, you know, sometimes we're thinking short breaths and scarcity. And like you mentioned right now, mm-hmm. I was thinking, mm-hmm. I mean, the air is not going away anytime soon. Like <laughs> in general, it really takes a person to notice that the abundance is there and that you can take that in and allow that mm-hmm. space for the abundance. And receive it mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Kate has something she would like to ask you, Lorraine. Yes. So as we wrap up all of our majority of our podcasts, I think we may have skipped one of them, but uh, majority of our podcasts, we like to kind of ask, you know, the question um, for the work that you're doing, for the experience that you've had, what would you want to let someone know in a very short kind of concise aspect? What's a good, bad, and ugly that you can take from your experience from your work that they can kind of keep basically keep in mind that, you know, it's not all, you know, happy flowers, you know, running around the field, but there are times that you, you can appreciate the, the balance and the harmony of it all. Like, what would you say the good, bad, and the ugly in that perspective is? Um, it's just that we are designed to heal we're designed to thrive, really. Even in the times of corona. Again, corona means crown. But I would say every day we're given the gift of life. There's miracles happening all around. Every day, 
virus or no virus, we're stronger than a virus, right? So um, in what ways can you, it is worth taking time to strengthen your relationship. I don't care if you've like, you know, know every energy modality in the world, or you're just starting out trying to explore like healing and feeling good or wellness. It, regardless, we can always go deeper. It's not about right and wrong. It's about how your relationship you have with yourself. It's the most important relationship that you'll ever have. Um, and that you have a gift through your breath, through your intuition, through trusting yourself um, to activate that in a deeper, stronger, more powerful way. Whatever's going, whatever chaos is going on outside, um, it's, it's, it's all within you. So I think that sometimes it can be overwhelming, like, well, what is this lady talking about? But there is support. So if you're not sure, then know that there's plenty of women out there or men or whoever that are available for support because it, we're in a time of collaboration, right? Like mm -hmm. what you, what you ladies are doing is collaborative, right? We're all here to support one another. So trust in that if you open up to yourself, the universe kind of responds in kind with support. Um, but it's the asking. I think women are afraid to ask for help. There's a, a lot of judgment or shame or, um, thinking that they can't do it somehow, that they're not trusting their ability to do it. But I, I hope that if you hear those silent whispers, if you hear those, feel those little like energetic um, blasts or fizzes or whatever, however it shows up for you to, to kind of be curious. I think curiosity is also another key ingredient for mm -hmm. making that connection. So it's not, it's not a one and done. It's not, we're not like, we're not designed to go from zero to a hundred in six seconds, right? It's a process. And so trust in your own personal process, which is different than anybody else's, mm -hmm. but it today counts in that process. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lorraine. I've, we've enjoyed this so much. And before you go, can you please tell us where we can find you online? Sure. Well, thank you very much, Kate and Tiara. It's been delightful and fun. Um, all right. So my healing practice is inspiredtohealth.net. Um, I'm on social media, Facebook, Inspired to Health, Twitter, Inspire to Health, and um, Instagram, Sage of Clear Spaces. So, um, you know, I'm available for support remotely. If anybody has any questions, my email address is info at inspiredtohealth.net. I'm very happy to, any questions, if you have any wound questions or any support, I'm available. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. We'll link all that in the show notes for And that concludes this week's episode of the Holistic Hope Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We would like to invite you to continue the conversation with us online. Check the show notes to see where you can connect with Dr. Kate, myself, our guests, and the rest of the Holistic Hope community to dive deeper into ways we can create generational healing through love. See you next week. And until then, stay well, friends. <laughs>